You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iron. When I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. Come to the site, we got your fallout from week number five. We got the power rankings there going into week number six. Some surprise results there, and fantasy football got turned upside down as well. And that's what we do here on Mondays to kick off another week of Locked On Fantasy Football. It's Roundup Monday, so we'll look at all... Of the games on Sunday's action here, we still have two more games to close out week five. The Chargers-Saints on Monday night and the Bills-Titans on Tuesday, the rescheduled game there. Hopefully that'll still go on as planned here. So two more games still coming up, but we'll break down all the games we saw on Sunday, giving you the most important takeaways from a fantasy football perspective on today's show. Before we do that... I got to tell you that uh, this episode is brought to you by Visa. Help support your local businesses. Whether they're corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops, local business have always been on your team, supporting you and your community. But right now, more than ever, local business need our support, so let's be there for them. Next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses. And look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with the contactless Visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, the official partner of the NFL. All right, so a lot to talk about here. Uh, we did have that one major injury to Dak Prescott, and we'll dive in fully to the Giants-Cowboys game later in the show. But uh, let's uh, work on some of the early game analysis here. Let's start with our uh, matchup, the Cardinals and Jets. So this one was a Cardinals uh, walkover in the end. It was a little close uh, to begin with, and... Kyler Murray, it's not always pretty with Kyler Murray, but he's getting the numbers up there. That's all you're counting on for Kyler here. 380 yards passing, so he got to that. He didn't have another interception. Hard to have a clean game. He didn't go nuts rushing, but he had a touchdown passing. He had a touchdown rushing as well as that 31 yards there. DeAndre Hopkins, no surprise, another big game against a really bad Jets secondary. Six catches on a seven targets, 131 and one. That's Christian Kirk being more involved here as the number two guy. We've written off the other receivers, but Andy Isabella's had his turn at Larry Fitzgerald. It's hard to trust Christian Kirk, but he did get as many targets here as Hopkins and Fitzgerald. So it can be pretty easy and even balanced with these guys as they spread it around. But keep in mind that Chase Edmonds is also involved heavily in the passing game. He had uh, five catches for 56 on six targets. So, Chase Edmonds there continues to look like the best option in the receiving game after Hopkins and Kirk. Kind of, you can use him more as a wide receiver three with his involvement of late, and they're throwing an awful lot. And even in a game where the game script didn't really call for it, they also ran well in this game. It was just a great matchup overall. So Kirk having a little bit more value as a wide receiver three. You look at Edmonds, he's in the conversation as a weekly flex player, even uh, some deeper leagues as an RB2. He had eight touches here. For a combined 92 yards, he gets a score. Kenyon Drake, in comparison, not much work in the passing game. Only one catch on his one target, but did at least uh, reward, if you've been waiting for something him doing in the rushing attack, 18 carries, 60 yards, and a TD. The problem with Kenyon Drake is that you're really uh, kind of 
game script dependent. This one fell in their favor where they were playing from ahead and they could run quite a bit. But Edmund certainly has a little bit more value now. Drake, I think, has to be downgraded to more RB2 flex as well. In PPR, Chase Edmonds actually might have more appeal at this point. So interesting situation with the backfield. They pivoted away from David Johnson to Drake. Now they look like they're pivoting a little bit away from Drake to Edmonds. But, again, Edmonds clearly the change of pace receiving back. Drake is only the power straight up back at this point and uh, tough for Drake's value after he was involved so much in the passing game last year. Now let's look at the Jets side of things. Uh, Joe Flacco got the start. Sam Darnold missed the game with a shoulder injury here. He actually moved the ball pretty well. He got the ball to Jameson Crowder. and Again, he's the only legitimate receiver. Look at his numbers. It's ridiculous. Eight catches on ten targets for one eight. 116 and a touchdown we look at uh jeff smith also had 11 targets but only caught three so you look at it combined jeff smith chris hogan chris herndon these guys only combined for eight catches here for uh, 67 yards so crowder clearly the go-to guy the only jets receiver you can start and really legitimately you can start every week i mean in ppr i think he's a wide receiver two wide receiver three as well if he's going to get in the end zone that really helps but uh, flacco maybe starting really is going to help crowder but no matter Flacco or Donald, their go-to guys. Crowder, Le'Veon Bell did look a little better. Still nothing inspiring here. 14 touches, only one catch for seven yards with uh, 13 carries for 60. So he did look a little bit better than Frank Gore trotting out there. But really, you're trying to squeeze some flex PPR value out of him. Otherwise, it's not looking great for one. Le'Veon Bell is the guy that you want to have in your lineups every week. The next game we'll go to, also in the 1 p.m. window, the Ravens all over the Bengals, 27-3. There's not much to talk about the Bengals. It was a tough matchup on the road for Joe Burrow. Joe Mixon actually somehow got 24 carries in a game like this. I think this happened last year as well. He ended up with 30 touches. So 30 touches, he somehow squeezes out uh, 94 yards from scrimmage uh, with that massive volume. But that's the only way he produced in this game. No touchdowns, nothing close to what he put up last week. In this great matchup. But the story here is AJ Green, pretty much the fade is finished here. Had a hamstring injury, had only one target. Clearly, it's the T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd show. Four for 62 on eight targets for Higgins, four for 42 on six targets for Boyd. So, really brutal spot here. Ravens match up very well against the Bengals defensively, and that's what we saw here. So, that's really what happened to the Bengals. Just not a very good matchup overall for their strengths here. Now, the Ravens still disappointing. In a game where you see 27-3, you're expecting some big, big numbers. You did get that from Marquise Brown catching 6-10 of 10 for 77 in the score. You got that from Mark Andrews, 6-56 for 56 on 9 targets and a score. But the running game for this uh, Ravens team is very piecemeal right now. I mean, they had one long run by Devin DuVernay, one long run by J.K. Dobbins, the two rookies with a lot of speed, and took... 11 carries for Mark Ingram to get to 57, but the story here is uh, Gus Edwards involved, but Lamar Jackson, two carries for three yards in a game where they dominate. He only has 180 yards passing, two TDs through the air, and a pick, so he didn't make up for it with his rushing production. So this is making Lamar Jackson more of a bottom-end QB1. It's strange that they're not running him as much, and maybe it's the depth of the backfield, knowing they have Ingram, Dobbins, and Edwards. They didn't have to throw too much in this game to put up numbers, but he was very inaccurate, 19 of 37 in this one as well, or I think the score could have been much bigger. They could have scored in the 40s, so very frustrating with Jackson right now. I think you have to stay the course. At least he's getting the Brown to Brown, and uh, uh, 
he's producing there. So Marquise Brown sort of looking like consistent wide receiver three, despite the low passing volume. And Andrews certainly locked in as a tight end. One simply because they're not involving many other people in the pass game, even with the low passing yard. So at some point, this has to pivot to J.K. Dobbins, right? I mean, he just looks more explosive here than Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards. It's kind of a coaching uh, conundrum why they kind of stick with uh, that philosophy. We're going to split carries and be adamant about it give Dobbins and Edwards limited work beyond Ingram. It has to change at some point if the Ravens are going to turn the corner there and be a more explosive offense here if uh, they're struggling in other areas. So be patient with Dobbins. Be patient with Jackson, but we want to see him do a little bit more. And there's some tough matchups coming up. The Eagles are not so easy next week. Their linebackers can be exploited so they can run on them, but they also have the Steelers around the corner here. So maybe uh, start to just have a contingency plan for Lamar Jackson. That's all I'm going to say here for fantasy in uh, 2020. The next game, speaking of the Eagles and Steelers, two teams that will be facing the Ravens coming up, they played each other. The Steelers win this game 38-29, to so more scoring than we expected. Ben Roethlisberger, he's been solid every week. Another great game for him, 239-3, and so not massive passing upside because they run the ball well. James Conner actually was contained by a pretty good Eagles run defense, but still ends up with uh, 18 touches for... 63 yards in the score, so you'll take that. A tough matchup for sure with that type of volume. But the story here was Chase Claypool. Seven catches, 110 yards on 11 targets, three scores through the air, and also a rushing touchdown of three yards for the Steelers. So they clearly were trying to showcase Claypool. They also got Ray-Ray McLeod involved. He was actually the leading rusher. Two totes for 63, including a 58-yard dash, and three catches for 12. So part of it was the fact that... uh, Deontay Johnson got hurt in this game. He had one catch for minus two yards before he exited with a back injury. So that was a concern. They got Eric Ebron more involved. All this is not great news for Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, this was a pretty good matchup in the slot for Smith-Schuster. Only four catches for 28 yards and five targets. So if you're wondering if the Steelers are kind of leaning towards not signing Juju Smith-Schuster, I think the emergence of Claypool, having Johnson and James Washington, now Eric Ebron at tight end, it's getting hard. They have more mouths to feed. It used to be the Juju Antonio Brown show just a couple years ago, but now they're spreading around. Claypool's a real factor. Ebron's a real factor. Washington is getting some plays here. McLeod is in the mix. You have Vance McDonald catching passes. Don't forget about Connor. So a little harder to navigate the Steelers' wide receivers when we thought it was going to be the Johnson-Smith-Schuster show, but Claypool certainly being a factor here, and Ebron really a solid part of the offense at this point as well. So keep that in mind. Ebron does have some values at tight end. One, I think Claypool still has value as a wide receiver three. I don't think he's going to put anything close to these numbers up again all season long, but he is scoring. He is favored by Roethlisberger, and we'll have to see what happens with the injury to Johnson, and then Claypool would really come appealing as a weekly wide receiver three here in this explosive Steelers offense. Now on the other side, uh, Carson Wentz struggled he did get to 258-2, and two, but also threw two picks in this game. The story here was he really likes some Travis Fulgham here. After the big play last week, 10 catches, 152, and a touchdown on 13 targets for Travis Fulgham. So he clearly was the go-to guy. Greg Ward also found the end zone, four catches for 26 on five targets. But J.J. Ortega-Whiteside had one big catch there for 37 yards. But there was no Deshaun Jackson, no Alshon Jeffrey, this... Pecking order could change again if Jackson, Jeffrey, and at some point Jalen Rieger comes back. But Fulgham 
Certainly some chemistry and should be owned in a lot of leagues here with the chemistry of Wentz. And we'll talk about our waiver wire advice there on Pickup Tuesday tomorrow. Miles Sanders had the long 74-yard touchdown run. Really kind of salvaged his day. Otherwise, it was pretty brutal. He did have another touchdown as well. So a couple touchdowns, one long run. That's all you need from Miles Sanders. Penn State, he was coming home, feeling good. Homecoming game versus a revenge game, and big numbers did happen there. So Sanders locked in as an RB1 every week with his volume and health. When still not playable, Fulgham in the picture now as an interesting wide receiver three with his usage, but beware of the Eagles getting healthier at wide receiver. The next game that we'll talk about, and a final one in our first segment that we'll look at, staying in the 1 p.m. window, the Texans beat the Jaguars for their first win. Congratulations, the Texans are now 1-4, the Jaguars are 1-4, 30-14. We thought it would be a rebound spot for Deshaun Watson, and boy, was it 359 there and three touchdowns. He did have two picks, but nice to see him running again with 25 yards there. But you wanted this type of game with Deshaun Watson without Bill O'Brien. It happened. This is what we expected. Spread it around to Brandon Cooks. Eight catches, 161, and a TD on 12 targets. He had a zero last week. Will Fuller had a zero two weeks ago, 458 and one on eight targets. So that's what you expected. Use Cooks, use Fuller, use the tight end, which they did here without Jordan Akins. He didn't play with the concussion. Darren Fells, two for 57 and a touchdown here. So we figured that's where the pecking order would be. The disappointment here was David Johnson. They didn't really use him as much in the passing game as we would have liked. Only one catch for him. But when they're involving the receivers and tight end and Randall Cobb a little bit in the slot, and Kenny Stills, it's going to be hard for Johnson to see ball. So only 96 yards rushing here and 11 receiving and no scores for Johnson. So that was definitely disappointing. And uh, Duke Johnson cutting into David's just a little bit here and that. So David is not a guy that, even with the volume, that can totally trust every week if they're pivoting with their bad defense to being passing heavy all the time. Now on the other side of things, Gardner Minshew solid. 301-2 and two here. James Robinson was very disappointing. He looked very good early in this game. 13 carries for 48, but slowed down later. Did have five catches for 22 to really help his value in PPR. Did lose a fumble on a bizarre running back option pass they ran on fourth down in the red zone and lost a fumble. So that was a bummer. You lost two points for no reason there. But the story here is that Minshew did lose uh, DJ Chark again to a different injury, an ankle injury here late in the game. You had uh, Keelan Cole return back to the end zone. So did Colin Johnson. So really spreading the ball around between Chris Conley, Colin Johnson, and Keelan Cole. But the guy that's consistent here now, starting to be there, is the rookie, LaVisca Cheneau, PPR friendly. Seven catches on eight targets for 79 yards. So solid game for Cheneau. He didn't get in the end zone, but looks like he's going to maybe be the preferred target here consistently as they piecemeal spur around to Conley, Johnson, and Cole that I could see Minshew easily pivoting from Chark to Cheneau. So very disappointing for Chark. Three catches for 16 and four targets before he departed. So we'll have to watch the ankle injury. We'll have to adjust accordingly if he's back out of our lineups. And we know that his absence hurt Minshew the first time, but maybe uh, with Cheneau emerging, that will help the second time where Minshew is going to have better value. All right, so there's a look at the first four games of Sunday and the results there and the fantasy football takeaways you need to know. We still have uh, several more to talk about. In fact, seven more games on the show. But uh, first, I've got to tell you uh, more about Visa with uh, 
Visa, we told you how it's important to uh, support your local businesses. And Visa knows that local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities. Where there are corner stores, our coffee spots, our favorite shops, local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders. They call us by name. Always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile to support us and our community. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So now it's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol so you can tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community. Because then, where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. We will be back to continue the show looking at uh, four more games from the Week 5 NFL Sunday results. All right, uh, let's uh, continue with the show here. A big uh, result here. Raiders, Chiefs. Raiders upset the Chiefs in Arrowhead Stadium. They scored 16 points in the fourth quarter after scoring 21 points in the second quarter. So really shocking result here. Good afternoon for the Raiders. 40-32 to 32 is the final here. 347-3 and three for Derek Carr. So another solid game. Multiple touchdowns for Carr. Spreading the ball around here. Uh, threw a pick, but really welcomed Henry Ruggs, the third back. 72-yard touchdown. Only three targets for Ruggs. A 2 and 118 and a touchdown. Nelson Aguilar, they talked him up all summer, and he's really being a big part of this offense more with uh, now Brian Edwards hurt, the rookie, the promising rookie there. Two for 67, another long touchdown. So it's really hard to trust those type of receivers that are based on a low volume, but the big play hits. But that's good for Carr that he's stretching the field and throwing downfield, getting some good air under the ball, look very good. So that helps. Uh, Hunter Renfro also had a nice play, one catch only for 42. So hard to still trust Ruggs, Aguilar, and Renfro. If Renfro, I think if you're looking for one, I think you look at Ruggs because of the big play and touchdown potential that is more consistent. Darren Waller also found the zone, five catches, 48 on seven targets. So really worked the middle of the field well. That really helped Josh Jacobs. If you can play with a lead, if you're the Raiders, and the game script is in your favor, you get it. And uh, Josh Jacobs, 23 carries, 77, not the greatest output, but Two scores on the ground for Jacobs. Unfortunately, not as involved in the passing game as this game script is not going to call for that. But uh, Devontae Booker also stole some here with uh, seven carries for 62 from Jacobs. So it could have been possibly a bigger day for Jacobs, but still pretty solid when you score twice. Uh, you'll take that from your running back. So yeah, this Raiders offense legitimately putting up some points. Had that one clunker against the Patriots, but really uh, has a lot of potential here going forward against uh, mediocre to below average defense. And I say the Chiefs are slightly above average in that department, but still exploitable here. And that's what the Raiders did. Now on the Chiefs side of things, uh, Patrick Mahomes 340-2 and two through the air. He also added uh, 21 yards rushing, erased his interception, plus another touchdown there. So typical Mahomes game. Anytime you get over 300 with three combined scores, you'll take it. Travis Kelsey, solid as ever. Eight catches, 108 yards on 12 targets. You have Tyree Kill, Three catches for 78 on six targets, but also had a f- touchdown run as well with 15 yards rushing. So, solid game for Hill and Kelsey when uh, Mahomes goes off. That typically happens here. Sammy Watkins got in the end zone, but he's suffering a hamstring injury. Only two targets, caught both for 24. Michael Hardman still should get a bigger role here. He had two catches as well for 50. So, if Watkins is down, at some point Hardman has to expand. and He's got some of that potential, but I think he needs to be more now. 
Clyde Edwards Hilaire kind of, kind of disappointing. I mean, the game script was not great for him, but 13 touches for 80 yards, no scores here. So the rookie after a big game against the Texans has kind of been a little touchdown dependent, hit or miss. Part of it is competing against other guys in the red zone to score. So really tough when Mahomes is running it in. So Edwards Hilaire, we pumped him up quite a bit. I think the Chiefs are going a little too far away from the running game. Only 20 carries here, 43 attempts for Mahomes, while you look at the Raiders, they ran 35 times. So you want to get this up to 25 touches here. I mean, you're that's what you're counting on with uh, Edwards is to push for 20 touches, more than that, not 13 to 15. And that's something that's on Andy Reid right now, that they got to control the clock a little bit better, use their running game. The Raiders are vulnerable against the run. And there were definitely opportunities there. They just game script and they just got a little pass happy and it cost them in the end. So something to watch with Edwards Hilaire. But Jacob slowly bumping back up to RB1. Well, I think Edwards Hilaire slowly sliding into RB2 status until Andy Reid uses him a little bit more here. Now our next matchup, uh, this one was weird. But uh, the Rams take care of business also by the score of 30-10. That was also the Cardinals' uh, Jets score. 309-2 and two for Jared Goff. So very similar game to... Uh, Mahomes, he also had a rushing touchdown. So three, 303, when you get that from your quarterback, you'll take that every time. Now this backfield became a greater mess. Daryl Henderson did get the touchdown early, but only 15 carries for 38 yards. And you get another touchdown in the receiving game, three for 30 in touchdown. So very frustrating if you have Daryl Henderson. You didn't know if, and at the same time, Cam Akers looked like the best running back with nine carries for 61 coming back from his ribs injury. Malcolm Brown, I think... Also, Thorne here with eight carries for 30. So, this full-blown committee is here. Henderson still looks like the best back, the one that you can play if you're desperate. And at this point, we've got a lot of running back injuries and buys, so you might have to play Henderson regardless. I mean, you just have to look at the production at one point. And maybe Akers and Henderson are more viable as uh, Malcolm Brown continues to fade here. Now, another development here... Uh, Robert Woods was solid, 4 for 71, including a 56-yard touchdown, 5 for 66, and 8 for Cooper Cup. They didn't throw a lot in this game, only 30 attempts total. They were in control, ran for 129, got some big plays in the passing game. But Gerald Everett was the story. He had four catches for 90 yards, caught all of his targets, but that meant Tyler Higby only had two catches for 12 on both of his targets. So what's up with Everett being suddenly involved? I mean, he's not in the future plans. He's a free agent, but Higby... Again, he had a massive game against the Eagles, but it's really faded here since. And it's kind of head-scratching here because it's the same situation where Woods and Cup are the top two. It's not like uh, Josh Reynolds or Van Jefferson has really emerged as that key third target the way Brandon Cooks has. But maybe it's a little bit of Henderson. Maybe it's a tight end by committee here. So, yeah, Higby's a guy that we have to look at uh, and re-examine. And uh, Sean McVay certainly is frustrating owners with the way he uh, kind of is mixing in his uh, tight ends and backs here in uh, 2020, that's for sure. On the other side of things, with the Washington football team, finally Antonio Gibson ran into a wall here. He actually got out-touched in key situations by J.D. McKissick here. So only 16 touches for 51 yards for Antonio Gibson. So that was disappointing. You thought he was going to get a little bit more run, but J.D. McKissick comes in, leads the team in receiving 6 for 46. We thought this would be a matchup. Poor for Terry McLaurin, it was. 3 for 26 on 7 targets against Jalen Ramsey in this good Ram secondary. But look at the passing numbers here. Kyle Allen started over Dwayne Haskins, who had an illness, wasn't even active. 74 yards passing, 2 sacks, nothing across. 
Alex Smith comes in 37 yards passing, so exactly half as much as Kyle Allen here looked like mirror images. They sacked the quarterbacks eight times. Aaron Donald, if you had him in IDP, four sacks in this game. It was brutal for the Washington football team. The offensive line struggling. Their lack of weaponry showing here. Alex Smith, we know, coming in cold. What will they do? Allen versus Smith going forward? I don't know. They are playing the, the Giants, I think, this week. So when you look at that, ugh, it could be a nice day for the Giants' defense. They had a good pass rush and uh, made some plays against the Cowboys. We'll talk about that game a little later. But, yeah, I mean, J.D. McKissick could be a little concerning here if Alex Smith's a quarterback and there's a McKissick thing. That's going to come to Gibson's work in the passing game. Gibson has been a bit touchdown dependent. That didn't happen. Uh, Kyle Allen got the rushing touchdown here. So, yeah, Washington football team not in a great state right now with uh, their production, even with Gibson and McLaurin, the only two viable people on this team. So the next game we'll go to, staying in this uh, window here with the Panthers and Falcons. What a disappointing game for the Falcons. The Panthers go in, they were fine. 23-16, to they win. They're now 3-2 and after starting 0-2. And all without Christian McCaffrey, which is insane. Let's start there. I mean, Mike Davis, look at this number for Mike Davis. 25 touches, 149 yards, and a touchdown. That would be very Christian McCaffrey-like in a matchup like this. So, again, plug and play. Great offense from Joe Brady. We're seeing it happen here. And relax. If you had DJ Moore and you were complaining about Robbie Anderson, he's still the most targeted guy here. Eight catches on 13 targets, team high for 112. So, really... Bridgewater's wide receiver one is Anderson. He's a wide receiver two in fantasy, where I think DJ Moore is big play dependent. He did bust one here, finally, 57 yards to the house on only five targets, four for 93 in a score. So finally, uh, Moore and Anderson producing together with Davis. So it's the Moore Anderson Davis show. Not a lot of Curtis Samuel here. Involved a little bit to help Davis as a runner here with uh, Reggie Bonifant done. So he had four carries for 28 as well as five catches for 36. For some low-end value as a flex in deeper leagues, Samuel has. But pretty much Bridgewater's in a groove with Anderson and Moore here. Uh, so Joe Brady carrying some of this LSU Joe Burrow stuff to the Panthers and really elevating Mike Davis, who's basically an RB1 replacing McCaffrey. So if you were smart and handcuffed McCaffrey to Mike Davis, you're sitting pretty here. And uh, we know this is going to cool down at some point. Maybe you're not the McCaffrey owner. Maybe you want to... Uh, See if you can uh, make a deal here soon to that McCaffrey owner while Davis is spiking and uh, really take advantage of that. Now, on the other side of things, 16 points. 16 points from the Falcons at home against the Panthers. Well, ultimately, their fifth loss to zero wins cost both Coach Dan Quinn and General Manager Thomas Dimitrov their jobs here after this game, unfortunately. So, Matt Ryan, what can you say? A second straight clunker in a decent matchup. 226. And an interception, minus one yard rushing. What a brutal game for Matt Ryan here. No Julio Jones. they got to keep him out for a while with that hamstring. Todd Gurley is the story for the Falcons this season. I mean, he's the only real source. You look good at times. He had a 35-yard touchdown run here. 18 touches for 150. So they were able to run the ball rather well. Brian Hill looked pretty good off the bench. But uh, Gurley getting it done with the touchdowns. And uh, with his usage and volume and scoring, he's an RB1, folks. I mean... As long as he's healthy in this offense, they're going to feed him the ball. And uh, this is a prize. Dirk Cutter pass happy, but without Jones, they had to run the ball a little bit more. So you're surprised that they had running success and that couldn't set up more passing success in this game. But Calvin Ridley at least uh, got back on track. Ten targets, caught eight for 136. So 
Without Jones, it should be the Calvin Ridley show, and it is, and the matchup, they just simply could not cover him. But at least you got Ridley to produce, but Matt Ryan, ugh. You got to look in a different direction here if Matt Ryan is your fantasy football quarterback. Very hard to trust until Jones returns. Now we'll end uh, with the Falcons' former offensive coordinator, Kyle Shanahan. What a tough game for him as well. Brutal game for the 49ers. 43-17. They get blasted by the Dolphins at home. 49ers, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo was rushed back from the ankle injury. Did not look right at all. 7 for 17, 77 yards and two picks until C.J. Beathard came and not fared all that much better in a blowout, but 94 yards and a touchdown there. Raheem Mostert, at least, returned, looked good uh, with 14 touches for 119 yards, including a 37-yard run. He didn't get in the end zone, however. Kyle Juszczyk, that helps no one, scored as a fullback here in this game for the 49ers, a rushing touchdown. So that's not good. And Jimmy G's troubles, C.J. Beathard's trouble, really bad for Brandon Ayuk, 3 for 44 on 6. George Kittle, 4 for 44 on 8. Debo Samuel, 2 for 19 on 8. So brutal game for those guys. Kendrick Bourne was the guy who scored the touchdown. So Bourne and Juszczyk, the two touchdowns didn't even help you that much in fantasy football here. Now looking on the side of the Dolphins, 350-3 and three for Ryan Fitzpatrick. What is this? I mean, roller coaster ride from week to week, almost on the brink of being benched. Big game for Preston Williams, 4 for 106 and a score on 5 targets. Devontae Parker, 2 for 50 and a score on 3 targets. Mike Gusecki, 5 for 91, including a 70-yard play that he broke down the sideline here on 6 targets. So the 3 main receivers getting the job done. Keep in mind the 49ers were really beat up in the secondary uh, Jukowski Tart was basically the only guy that they had in coverage, and Gasecki again uses a slot receiver. There's no K1 Williams. Akilah Witherspoon was banged up. Richard Sherman's been out for a while. You got Emmanuel Mosley out, so they just exploited the secondary, taking it to them with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. So good game planning there by Chan Gailey to attack the weakness of the 49ers, and they came through. Miles Gaskin, breaking news, he finally broke it into the end zone. So, 16 carries for 57, not the greatest, but he also had five catches for 34. So, Miles Gaskin, solid as an RB2, and none of this Jordan Howard stuff. It was Matt Breida getting the change of pace carries, but still not a lot here in relation to Gaskin. So, really concerning here for the 49ers D, and you can play stuff. I mean, if they're hurting in the secondary and they're weak up front, I mean, they only give up 94 yards rushing on 33 attempts, but... Their secondary, without Nick Bosa, without Solomon Thomas, without that same pass rush, without Sherman's leadership, very vulnerable right now. So we'll have to see going forward. They are facing some really good teams like the Rams and the Packers and Saints and the explosive offenses. We'll have to see going forward if they'll get to better help. Maybe Sherman returns, but uh, it's just not looking good here for the 49ers uh, defensively with all their injuries uh, finally catching up to them as linebacker is pretty much the only real comfortable spot on their team. All right, so we still have uh, three more games to talk about, including uh, the fallout of the Giants-Cowboys game uh, story of the week. Uh, But before we uh, get into the final three games, let me tell you about Roman. It can be awkward and embarrassing to talk about erectile dysfunction. Usually we brush it off or blame ourselves, but Roman is here to get you the advice you want and the help you need with no shame. And... How often do you use excuses like, I had a long day at work, I'm just not feeling it? It isn't easy to talk about erectile dysfunction, but Roman makes it easy to discuss and treat ED. Healthy life includes a sexy and healthy life, but if you struggle with erectile dysfunction, you may not feel like your best self. If you want help with ED, 
Roman connects you with a real U.S. licensed healthcare professional who can prescribe the medicine you need. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation, ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan if medication is appropriate. Roman will ship you real medicine with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOn and complete an online visit. Rectile dysfunction used to be tough to talk about, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Again, just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOn to get up to $50 off your first month of ED treatment, a free online visit, and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOn for up to $50 off your first month of ED treatment. GetRoman.com slash Locked on. This episode of Fantasy Football is also brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. That's simply what it is. And Built Bar is even delicious. Er, new improved with six new flavors: caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. And that adds to their twelve amazing original flavors that include a German chocolate, salted caramel, and banana bread. All bars from Built Bar are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a very delicious treat that basically tastes like dessert here, and that's how good these chocolate bars are from Built Bar. All Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for anyone on a keto diet. Just take the flavor profile of their cookies and cream. Bar, 17 grams protein, 130 calories, 4 grams sugar, 4 grams net carbs. Right now, uh, go to BuiltBar.com and you can use the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, uh, let's uh, continue here and uh, look at uh, the final games of Week 5 Sunday, the takeaways. We'll start with the big one in Dallas here. Unfortunately, Dak Prescott. I mean, this was just a heartbreaking injury to watch. He was playing so well. He had a Philly special receiving touchdown in this game before he went down here. But, yeah, so the story is here. Um, one interception, 166, with seven yards rushing before he departed. Unfortunately, that nine-yard run he made cost him here. Right ankle fracture dislocation out for the season here. So, yeah, we're going to move on with Andy Dalton, the Cowboys' next man up mentality. Dalton looked pretty good, threw for 111 yards, uh, threw to Michael Gallup a couple times down the sidelines to win the game here. But I don't think it's going to change much the way they approach offense with CeeDee Lamb, eight catches, 124-11. He's open always in the middle field. Gallup making some great plays down the sidelines, four for 73, caught all his targets. So, Murray Cooper, we knew would be a little shut down with James Bradbury. That happened in this game, but Ezekiel Elliott, we thought this would be an Elliott game. It certainly was. 19 carries, 91 yards, two touchdowns, as well as 14 receiving yards in the 37-34 ultimate win here for the Cowboys. So, great performance overall by Dallas, considering the circumstances. But how do you move on from Dak Prescott? That's what we're going to focus on here. I think you could look at Dalton again. The weapons are outstanding. I mean, name better receiving situations with those three guys, Lamb, Cooper, and Gallup, it's really hard to say. And then you have Elliott also working out of the backfield. So Dalton's not going to give you the big rushing totals, but it's not like Dak was running wild. But Dalton can, he's capable, he can move around and get into the end zone. So he has the keys to pretty good offense. So keep that in mind. Sometimes it's system and backup. I'm not going to say he's going to put up the same gaudy, massive numbers we saw in Dak Prescott. There's going to be a drop-off. But 
Again, he's in a good situation to produce. We've seen in the past when Andy Dalton has guys around him, he's a 30-touchdown capable quarterback here. So certainly he can be solid for you. That's the first place you should turn if you lost Prescott. And uh, hope that gets better soon. But good hands, decent hands, as the Cowboys' investment in Andy Dalton might pay off big time here for their offense. Now let's go to the Giants, Daniel Jones. I mean, what can you say? This is pretty bad. 222 with no touchdowns for Daniel Jones. Here, Devonta Freeman, we liked him. We thought it was a get going here. He did. 17 carries for 60 yards, two receptions for 27. So clearly, he is now the main guy. No Deion Lewis as much. No Wayne Gallman too much. So Freeman is the guy you can trust here as your Saquon Barkley replacement going forward. At least Darius Slayton had a big game. 8 for 129 on 11 targets. Tough game for Golden Tate. 4 for 42 on 5. We thought he could do a little bit more. Evan Ingram only had one catch for 16 and two rushes for nine, but he got in the end zone, which uh, pretty much validates him as a play here, uh, given a slow start. So, But Jones, scoreless yards for Jones. He didn't run. He lost seven yards rushing, got sacked a couple times. So keeps turning over the ball, lost a fumble in this game. Daniel Jones is not almost recommended to be owned in fantasy leagues at this point. Just not running this offense very well and uh, definitely being crucified for it here with Jason Garrett in the no Broccoli Hurts, but no Sterling Shepard Hurts. But he's got to get it done a little bit better in a matchup like this, and he didn't come through one bit. So, again, Dak injury, the toughest thing to take away there. But Andy Dalton, good pivot here if you're struggling. All right, let's go to another game in the late afternoon window. It was the Colts and the Browns. The Browns win this one 32-23. Let's look at the Browns numbers here. Uh, Baker Mayfield, 247-2, and two, two interceptions, however. He uh, did hurt his ribs, so we'll see about that. So not a great startable game for Baker Mayfield, but it was okay. It was better than we expected, but still nothing exciting. The touchdowns, however, went to Rashard Higgins and Kareem Hunt. Hunt looked very good. He had uh, 23 touches, 93 yards, and that receiving score here, Dernis Johnson, we thought it could be sprinkled in, and he was. Only nine touches here for him for uh, 36 yards. Odell Beckham Jr. cooled off again. 5 for 58 on 9 targets. 4 for 88 and 9 targets for Jarvis Landry. 5 for 57 on 10 targets to lead the team for Austin Hooper. But we knew this Colts defense was pretty tough. The numbers weren't going to be massive, but we knew Kareem Hunt was the guy we could rely upon as an RB1. And that certainly happened in this game. Now, on the other side of things uh, for the Colts, they scored 23. Uh, both of these teams uh, do some damage uh defensively in this game the Browns had a defensive score as part of their mix so we knew there could be some possibilities there uh, again two picks of Mayfield only one sack so you expected a little bit more of the Colts defense in this game but Philip Rivers just looked terrible 243 and two interceptions here uh, T.Y. Hilton got in the mix at least six for 69 and 10 targets but look how many people they involved Hilton Johnson Doolin Trey Burton Naheem Hines Taylor, Zach Pascal, Jack Doyle, Moe Cox. I mean, this is just too much. Too many people involved, even without Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell. Just too much to trust anybody in this mix. Even Moe Cox, who's coming through, he had to deal with Trey Burton's reemergence and Jack Doyle playing. And uh, Doyle and Moe Cox combined three targets, zero catches. So what are they doing with Zach Pascal? I mean, what where is he going here? So Marcus Johnson, three for 53. So, I mean, brutal for fantasy, the Colts are at this point. At least Jonathan Taylor's coming through. He did have uh, 12 rushes for 57. You'd think they would have a lot more. Game script was not in his favor, however. Here. But Hines and Jordan Wilkins are still a thing here. And Again, I think Jonathan Taylor could be so much better. But when you get 14 touches for 74 and a touchdown, I guess you'll have to take that. But 
I think we were all in on him as an RB1, but the way the Colts are still going committee, I think you have to look at him as an RB2 here going forward. But the Colts passing game, avoid if you can. It just is brutal. I mean, at this point, I mean, Alec Cox is one thing working, and they decided to just throw it away. And really, it all comes down to who's doing the passing, and Phillip Rivers is not getting it done. We know one quarterback who's getting it done, and this is our final game that we'll talk about. It is Sunday Night Football. What a thriller between the Seahawks and Vikings. The Seahawks win on a last-minute touchdown there from Russell Wilson to DK Metcalf. 217-3 for Russ. Did throw a pick that was pretty bad uh, there down the sideline, but also made up for it with five rushes for 58 to lead the team. So Seahawks were playing from behind. The uh, Vikings led 20 or 13 nothing at halftime. Seahawks stormed back with 21 points in the third quarter, but... Russ, I mean, he gets it done somehow, and he basically got another extra touchdown with that 58 yards rushing with a 217. DK Metcalf looks uncoverable at this point. He's the more consistent. I think he's a better wide receiver one than Lockett at this point. Six for 93 and two scores and 11 targets. Just throw it up. He'll go get the ball. End zone, downfield, wherever you need to. DK is your man. And red zone looks, deep ball looks, whatever. He's the number one here. Tyler Lockett was working a slot. Had a tough game here. They played a lot of zone, kept him from making big plays. Only four catches for 44 and 5. So Lockett is going to be a little bit more inconsistent where I think Metcalf, with his size, he's that true built of a wide receiver one. I mean, number one receiver on the outside. But fantasy, however you slice it, he's a wide receiver one with his usage here. For the Seahawks, it was tough for Chris Carson. They played zone. They dared them to run. They blitzed. Um, but at least he caught six balls for 27 as well as his eight rushes for 52 yards, including a 29-yard touchdown. So still solid from Carson. You expect him maybe a little bit more in this matchup, but Lockett very disappointing, but Wilson and Metcalf certainly lived up to expectations in this game. Now on the other side of things for the Vikings, 249-2 for Kirk Cousins, so pretty solid there. Um, the pick uh, he could have done without, but Adam Thielen had the two scores, by the way. 9 for 80, 13 targets. Justin Jefferson very quiet. Three catches, 23 yards, and five targets because all of a sudden they involved Irv Smith, the tight end, all of a sudden. So, four catches, 64, and five targets. They were hardly throwing to Irv Smith, and he got so involved. Then they threw to the backs a combined eight catches, uh, 24 yards each for Alexander Madison and Dalvin Cook. And that was the issue. Dalvin Cook was headed to a monster game, folks. He had uh, 17 carries for 65 yards and a touchdown in the first half. Also had five catches for 24. He suffers a growing injury, has to come out of the game. What happens? Alexander Madison goes off in his place. 20 carries for Alexander Madison to even do better than Cook. 112 yards and 24 receiving. Didn't get in the end zone, but this is why Alexander Madison was a high-end handcuff. Now you're set. I mean, it sucks that uh, you didn't get that bigger game from Cook, but you'll take the solid, spectacular game from Cook here, really, uh, any week uh, there, but uh, this tells you what could have been, but now you're okay. If you were smart and you practiced handcuffing and made sure you got Madison with Cook, you'll be okay going forward. But if you have to scramble for Madison, you're probably out of luck here as he's owned. So and be prepared to be without him here because uh, uh, the growing injury is tough, soft tissue, and he might need to miss a week. We saw Kareem Hunt play with the injury, so maybe he can return after some rest, but uh, something to certainly watch with Dalvin Cook. So there you have it. There's a look at uh, all the games here of uh, week Number five, NFL Sunday action, the most important fantasy football takeaways for you. We still have uh, another game to talk about, another game to get to talk about there on Tuesday. But uh, yeah, we'll break down Chargers Saints tomorrow. We'll also turn our attention to the waiver wire for week six, help you with your uh, pickups and uh, free agents 
agent acquisition budget there. So thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Fantasy Football. This has been Vinny Iyer. Now tell your smart speaker to play the most recent episode of Lockdown NFL. Have a great day. See you tomorrow.